So we're continuing our fruitfulness on the front line, and uh, this morning uh, we're going to continue from last week. We're talking about making an impact. Remember last week what we spoke about, making an impact where you are, um, and this morning we're going to talk about your character. Your character uh, can make an impact. So what I want to encourage you throughout this uh, series, as you go away and apply things in the week, uh, come and share your stories. Uh, because I really believe God will use you. We said that last week. He will use you if you make yourself open and willing. And last week, um, uh, I was getting text messages, I think while I was preaching, but of course, um, I couldn't read them. But one of them was from Katie, and said, I've got something to share, and it would be really good. So I said, well, we'll share it next week then. So Katie, if you can come up, and then she'll lead us into this. Um, that will lead us nicely into uh, much of what I want to say this morning. Thanks. So Ian was talking about um, being fruitful on the front line and my front line is I'm a primary school teacher somewhere in Basildon and um, it's a secular school um, not a church school like I grew up in or my children go to Um, and the people who I work with know that I go to church but that's about it. Um, and we have various weeks and days that we celebrate. And last, not last week, but the week before, we had World Religion Day at school that we were um, exploring across all the year groups. And an email went out to staff saying, would anybody be willing who has a faith to talk about their faith um, to any of the children? So I sent back an email saying I'd be happy to talk about being a Baptist. Um, it's, I suppose it's something that people don't study very often in school, what it particularly means to be a Baptist. And so um, I was taken up on the offer um, and um, asked to speak to the whole of Year 6 about being a Baptist. And so I went and prepared, and I was able to talk to them about what it meant to become a Christian, that you weren't born one, that it was a choice, that you could become one, and that anyone could become one. I was able to talk about what it meant to be baptised in water and was able to show them a video of um, my niece Annabella being baptised, complete with prayers and scripture and everything. I was also able to talk about um, how important the Bible was to us and um, show them my Bibles that thankfully were quite well thumbed, so that did back up (laughs) what I was saying, (laughs) that it was important to us. Um, and I was able to answer questions from the children. Um, but maybe more importantly to me, um, six of my friends, six of my colleagues were also there in the talk that I was able to give. And actually each of them separately, one by one afterwards, came up to me just in the staff room or in the corridor and said that it was really... Um, they, could, they hadn't realised how important my faith was to me. And they hadn't realised what a big deal it was in my life. Um, And one of them said that every time um, I spoke, it made her excited and want to come to church. So um, I feel that maybe next time there's a baptism, I should invite her. But I just, it's not something that I'd specifically prayed for, an opportunity for, to share at school, other than just being open about being a Christian and going to church. But just the way that God opened that opportunity that I could speak as a teacher who's not usually allowed to do that openly about what I believe in just complete openness and truth about what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be a Christian and that anybody can do that 
through their choice, through Jesus, um, was an amazing opportunity. So, yeah, I was texting Ian during the sermon. Probably not allowed, but I was. Um, And um, just wanted to end with this from Romans 10. Um, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Thank you. Thanks, Katie. And I think, I think what I love about that is it just illustrates, you know, opportunities do present themselves. God, I do believe they're God-given. And, but there's a choice. Katie could have said, I had a busy week this week, got two young girls, loads to do. Um, you know, a very trying husband. Um, there's loads to be done. I haven't got the time for it. No, he's good, he's a good lad. Um, but no, it's, it's to be in that willingness and being open. And I'd, I'd really want to encourage you in that and pick these up if you haven't already got one. It's got all the talks on the back, uh, what we're doing. Remember to sign your name at the end as a kind of a commitment uh, to this ministry on the front line. Anyone remember what, what the definition of the front line was from last week? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's not that trying, is he? He's all right. You wasn't even here. You went on the website and listened. No. Okay. So the front, your front line is when you're in contact with other people, wherever you are, who are not Christians. They're your front line. That's your ministry front line. And, and I believe that if you pray for those opportunities, and it's certainly true in my life, then God will give you the opportunities. How you respond to them is up to you. Uh, but hopefully with an open heart like we've heard. So if there's anyone else that's got any kind of testimony where you're taking this and putting it into practice, what we're told to do, uh, then let me know and come and share and encourage other people. So it's making a difference where you are. And remember last week we said that we're the body of Christ. That's a real privilege. We, Everyone in here is a, is a follower of Jesus, is part of the body of Christ. And God, and I wanted to encourage you last week and again this week, God can and will use you, which is an amazing privilege. He can and will use you if you just open up your eyes and heart to the opportunities that he gives you. Um, last week I shared the example of the rubbish, if you remember. Um, and I said, you know, someone left their rubbish out and they made the cardinal error, putting out the night before. Obviously new people uh, didn't understand the, the etiquette uh, that you don't put it out the night before because there's a fox problem in uh, Billericay. And it's remarkable how many of you approached me afterwards and said, we've got neighbours who think that. Now, we've got, now you've said that, we've now got to be the ones putting that back in our thing. So I do apologise, but it's an opportunity uh, to serve. Um, so we talked about making a difference wherever you are, whatever situation you find yourself in. Is it possible that God has put you in that situation and in that position to make a difference? Your front line is right there, the place, the environments you find yourself in where you can look for the opportunities to minister and to share in all sorts of different ways. Um, And the fact is, you can make an impact, and you will if you open up your heart. So I'm going to read, uh, first of all, a passage from Colossians, Colossians 1, uh, verse 1 to 20. We've got the the first slide up there. Um, uh, That's it, good. So you can make notes of this, but I'm just going to read this whole bit. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus... By the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossus, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God 
our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Remember what we said last year, the church is growing at the fastest rate now globally since the resurrection. So this, these passages are coming alive to us. So growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Ephraim, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the sunny loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He talks about Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And I wonder, as we read that passage, if we can grasp the enormity, the vastness, and the scope of God's purposes. You know, it's all wrapped up in Christ, obviously, and we get this, this, uh, the, the supremacy of Christ, the imagery and the picture that Paul paints. But the scope of God's purposes. It starts this passage with gratitude about their fruitfulness, they're making a difference, part of a much bigger movement, but they have their part to play. He then prays their fruitfulness will increase as they see their lives in God's great plan. And Paul goes on to show us it's all about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He's God. The firstborn over all creation, the pre-existent Christ. And I've said before, whatever image you've got of Christ, it's not big enough. He's so much more. He's the creator of all things. Verse 16 said, By him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Everything. Everything. All things. There's no compartmentalism 
here, is there? There's no, well, he created the Sunday service for the time when we can be proper Christians or the home group or whatever you go to. It's all things, visible and invisible. Everything you see here, everybody you see here, all of you created by him, and, in, and, and what's really important, for him. It's not like a, a carpenter who makes a chair, sells it, and says, that's your chair, do what you want with it. He still owns the chair. You know, we might sit in it, we might polish it, we have to look after it, but it's his. And your life actually doesn't belong to you, it belongs to him. You were created by him and for him. All things, visible, invisible, everything you see. It can be all the things you don't see, the electricity, the sound waves, all of them created by him, for him. So Jesus has an interest in all things. Why would he have an interest in all things? Firstly, he created them. And secondly, create them for himself. You might think that's a bit selfish. But he, he created everything and it's for him. He doesn't just create everything and just leave it and say, there you are, I've created you, become a Christian, now get on with whatever you want to do. There's no responsibility in that. He, we were created by him, but I'm also created for him. It all belongs to him. We're just stewards of the world and our lives and everything else. So if all things, from a blue whale to a small fly, from a mountain to an ocean coral, from an individual to the government of this country, if all of them were created by and for Christ, then of course he's really interested in how you steward and act upon it and shape it. If all things are his, then of course he's interested in the impact that you personally can have in your daily lives. And we said last week, didn't we, it's really, really important that we remember he is the one who said, I am the true vine. Do you remember that was the, the, uh, the, the sign of Israel? Israel were, were often called the vine. Uh, but he said, I'm the true vine, the true vine. So we've got to stay close to Jesus. It's an attitude of seeking God's will, because created by him, for him. It's a prayer of enthusiasm to see God, wherever you are, at work, and joining in with his plans and purposes. It's a prayer that says, your will be done, where? It's not, we just can't just wait for heaven and eternity. That's a lovely promise, and we've got it, if you're a Christian. But what about now, as Westlife sang? You know, now... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who's going to do his will on earth? It's the body of Christ. You. Your will be done in my church. Your will be done at the local council. Your will be done in the home groups. Your will be done in the gym. Your will be done in the pubs. Your will be done in the clubs. Your will be done in the hospitals, the factories, in the queue, even at the supermarket. Nothing is left out. It's all created by him and for him. And all of us, you, have a role. The word we translate as gospel comes from a Greek word called... I've got to say this right. I've actually spelt it the way I'm supposed to pronounce it, but I can't read my own writing. Evangelion. Evangelion. That's actually... E-U... I don't think I put it out there, didn't I? I should have. Uh, E-U-A-N-G-E-L-I-O-N. Evangelion. In the time of Jesus... It was most used, that word, for the celebratory announcement of a great victory. That was the original meaning. So the gospel isn't only about being saved 
from the penalty of sin, as good as that is, and, and having reconciliation and that destiny that's secure, which is important, but it's also the announcement of a huge victory, a cosmic victory, won by God over sin, death, and the devil. Mark Green calls it VU Day, Victory in the Universe Day. It's the inauguration of a new era in human history, the beginning of God's kingdom reign, in which a new relationship with God becomes possible. New rules apply it, and he's going to use the body of Christ to bring that kingdom in on earth, as it is in heaven, and that's the ministry on the front line. The invitation to follow Jesus is not just, can't just be an invitation to spend eternity in his presence, as good as that is. It's also an invitation to join with him in the world now, making his world as much like he intends it to be before he returns. That's his invitation to you, which frankly, to me, sounds like something worth giving your life to. It's great to have the destiny, but what about now? It sounds like a huge plan, a great master plan, and it is. But it's worked out day by day among the body of Christ in our lives. Whether we're like the Colossians in the passage that I've read, living in a small town in Asia Minor, or a town like Billericay in its surrounding areas. And because of that, consequently, because we know that God is interested in everything that you do, You can't be called to part-time discipleship. Just on the Sunday or the DG group or the prayer meeting or the Bible study. It's whole life discipleship. And we can be confident that we can do that because God is with us in everything. Everything was created by him and for him. That means we can talk to him about everything. Seeking wisdom from him about everything. Guidance from him about everything, basically utter reliance on him. A second slide, please. Thanks. So this morning, make an impact with your character as you go about being, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, an ambassador for Christ. So wherever you are, you go as his ambassador, and that's a, a real privilege, which is good. I'm going to read uh, Galatians 5.16 to 26, and then we'll, we'll have a look at it. So I say, the words of Paul again, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So this is battle. Okay? They are in conflict with each other. We all know that. We all, Paul talks about, doesn't he, at the end of Romans 7, why do I keep doing the things I know I shouldn't be doing and why don't I do the things I know I should be doing? And Thankfully, he gets into Romans 8 and he says there's no condemnation now for those in Christ Jesus, which is brilliant. But he recognises there's always a spiritual battle. And we can slip and we can slide and we can come for forgiveness and we're promised forgiveness, but it is a battle. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And he warns us as he did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he gives us the positive, but the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm not going to go through all of those. We did a series on those last year. So if you want to go through each one individually, you can go on the website and look them up individually. But these are the kind of characteristics 
that we're to show as Christians. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Uh, I remember um, when uh, my kids were at Stock School up the road. Uh, It was a good school, but they were at Buttsbury, which had a claret and blue uniform, and which breeds a lot of loyalty. And, but when we went to Stock School, it was red and white, so we went from West Ham to Arsenal, and I wasn't too happy about it, but it was a good school. And I remember they used to have sports days, and I, was, I used to go and see the headmaster once a month. We used to pray together, and he'd tell me some things that he wanted prayer for. It was really good, and, and we had a good relationship. And I was standing uh, next to him one day on, on the sports field, and I was at the end of... I don't think it was 100 metres, I think it was 60 metres, but, you know, the kids are keen. And I said, this is really good, isn't it? He said, yeah. He said, they're, only, they're all in it, they're all in it just to take part. You know, it doesn't matter who wins. I said, well, no, you need a winner. Someone's got to win. No, 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 Ian. No, no, we don't want it, you know, everyone's equal. I said, oh, do you know who's top of the class in maths? He goes, oh, yes. I said, well, why can't we know the fastest runner is then? If everyone knows the academic side, what about the runner? He said, well, no, he didn't... I don't think he'd thought of that. He was a good headmaster, but he hadn't thought of that. Anyway, so they, and my little Harry wasn't in this race. My Harry, was, he's big now, but he was little. He was really quick. And uh, I can tell you right now, he wanted to win. He didn't care about taking part, very much like me. He wanted to beat everybody and hard. And um, anyway, so we see that I'm at the end, and I see these kids lining up. And they've all got their little red and white uniform on and the sports gear and the plimsolls. And everyone's very uniform. There was this other kid. He was a bit bigger than the rest of them. He had all the gear, Asics, everywhere. Right? He had the best running shoes. Uh, he had those things that come up to your knees. I think they protect your legs. I thought he was going 60 metres. He's not, he's not doing a marathon. He's, I don't know what he's got them for. And he had the proper top and everything and a headband. And look, he looked the business. So I said to Mr. Stide, he looks like he wants to win. He said, no, 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 we've told our kids it's not about uh, the winning, it's all about the taking part. Oh, OK, this will be interesting. Anyway, so on your marks, get set, go, and they, they all run. And this, this tall kid with all the gear um, is doing really well, and he's in the lead, right? But there's this little kid, and he's like a little terrier. He's so quick, and his little pimp soul, he's got none of the decent gear on, and he beats him, only just. And I thought, well, the race must be going on because the kid with all the kit on, he's carried on running. All the others have stopped. I thought, maybe he thinks he's in the wrong race. But he carried on running to the border of the, where the school was. There was a wooden fence. And I thought, next year, if there's a boxing competition, he should enter it because he absolutely pounded his fence in frustration. And I said to Mr. Slide, I don't know, maybe it's me. I think he did want to win. <laughs> I remember the sports days, and uh, one of my favourite ones, I was, which I was good at, uh, because I used to be quick, and then everyone carried on growing, and I didn't. Um, but I could do the three-legged race. You ever done a three-legged race? They're a lot of fun. And if you, if you get it right, all you've got to do is get the timing right, and then you can win. But of course, in a three-legged race, because your leg's tied uh, to someone else, if they get it wrong, or if you try and go a bit too fast, or you're not concentrating, it all ends in tears, doesn't it? You know, because you're either trying to drag him along, go, get up. You know, it's not much teamwork. Get up and come on. Or, or you're being left behind and you're the one on the floor. But if you, if you keep in step with one another, you can achieve much. And Paul says, live by the Spirit, keep in step 
with the Spirit. And you will know when you're not in step uh, with the Spirit. And I'm going to give you an example that I've just had uh, of exactly that. It is easy to lose your footing. And you have to make a decision to say, I want to follow God and I want to keep in step with the Spirit. It exudes my character. You know, I know we all say, and it rolls off the tongue, but what would Jesus do? And the Spirit corrects us sometimes, he corrects me, but he also encourages and he empowers and he brings us to God for forgiveness when we got it wrong. Modelling godly character as fruitfulness on the front line is letting the life of Christ flow in you and through you. He's in you as a believer. It's just letting him out. It's about the fruit of the Spirit being evident, not only in the good times, but in the tough times as well. The list that Paul writes in Galatians 5, I think, is quite daunting. I look at it and think, I've got a long way to go. But if you realise, it was written to people who, for the most part, were really poor. People without a health service. Most of, her, most of their children would die before the age of five. That was the context. People that were under social pressure because they chose to live a different way to everybody else. He's saying, but in spite of all these things, this is the fruit of the Spirit. That was then. In some parts of the world, that still applies. But whatever our situation, living out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control can seem daunting. And we need the Spirit's help. I I discovered that in my early days as a Christian. I thought I was doing all right and then we we messed it all up and we had children. And then we realised... We realised that actually the fruit of the Spirit is not evident when, you, when you're lacking in sleep and, um, and all the rest of it. I wasn't, I wasn't a very good Christian uh, then. But keep it in step with the Spirit. God has given you his Spirit to help you. He gives you a new life. The Spirit is always challenging, always wanting to work more and more in you. And to become more like Jesus is his aim. It's the only way that I can stand here and talk about modelling a godly character because I know what I'm like, and I need the Spirit's help. And if maybe one or two others know actually what I'm like, and definitely God knows what I'm like, and I don't model godly character all the time. We need the Spirit's help. I realise to seek to model godly character, I can't rely on myself, but I need the Spirit of God to help me, to change me, to shape me, and he will if you leave yourself open to him. We're not to be complacent. We don't want to be complacent, but also... There's room for gratitude. And when you begin to notice as you open yourself up to what God is doing in you and for what he's already done. So you keep going to God and you keep saying, you know, fill me afresh and change me and help me become more like Jesus. And then one day, one day you find yourself behaving in a different way than maybe you would have a year or two before. And you catch yourself thinking, well, that was better. I responded well. That was good. I wouldn't have responded the same way a short time ago. But it's always there, and you always have a choice. So on Friday, and my son hasn't been too well recently, so we're going to go out, and we was meeting some people in London, um, and one of them had lost his, very young, had lost his wife uh, just a few weeks before, so he was out with us as well. So I thought, we'll go to London, and we'll have a good time, and we'll try and you know, help this fellow and come alongside him. So I'm being a good Christian. I'm, I'm just feeling fairly self-satisfied. This is a good thing to do. It's gracious. We're going to comfort him. Great. So uh, Harry was working all day Friday. Friday's my day off. So I thought, I think what I'll do, because I'm a good Christian, I'll go down Billericay Station. I'll get the tickets now so that we're ready. When Harry comes home, we're a bit short on time. We're going to have to muck about. We'll get straight on the train. So I go down there and I 
I see people queuing up for the tickets. It says clearly on the sign, queue this end. <laughs> clearly. So I'm queuing this end. Someone just goes straight in front of me. But I'm going to let that go because I'm a good Christian. I'm going to model the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to bless him and, and, and let him go. I mean, I hope he had a lovely evening and missed his train home. That's what I wanted. So I let him go first. I'm very polite, and aren't I good? And, uh, and then, um, you know, you get on the train, and you're waiting for the train to come in. We're going to London. It's not that busy, because most people come out of London. But nevertheless, there's always one who wants to get on the train before you. I mean, his empty seats ever pushed his way. Bless him, Lord. Fruit of the Spirit, Ian, good minister. Fruit of the Spirit, it's all good. Everything is good in the world. So, no problem. Then the train's pulling into Liverpool Street Station. Again, most people are walking down the platform. They want to get on the train to come home. There's only a few of us. So I stand. I said, Terry, come, we'll stand by the door. Same bloke comes in, gets in between me. I thought, what are you going to do? You're going to get off 30, 30, what, milliseconds before me. I thought, no, let it go, because I'm going to show the fruit of the Spirit, because I'm being a good Christian. And there's all the unspoken rules kick in at that point. I don't know if you noticed it when you're on the train. Um, he has to make sure that everyone behind him, which is me and Harry and a few others now, he has to make sure that we know that he knows what he's doing. So before the train stops, he's pressing the button. We know the door's not going to open. He's just, he's just letting us know that he knows he's got to do it, because if he doesn't do it, the doors don't open. So I'm looking at him reassuringly, because I'm a Christian, I want to show the fruit of the Spirit, and it's all good. Everything is good in the world. And then finally the train stops. Well, I know you've got to wait for the light to come on before you push it. But no, he's making sure that we know that he knows that he will have to push it. So he's still doing it. And finally, the door's open, off he gets. Bless him, I'm a good Christian, fruit of the Spirit. Aren't I doing well? I get my ticket out, and it's the out journey. And, you know, told Harry, because he's nearly 20, needs me to tell him what ticket to get. Would you bet I'm, I'm nearly 20? Get the out ticket, Harry. Sure enough, you get to the back, people are pushing in. Bless them, Lord, you know, fruit of the Spirit, good Christian, let them go. And finally we get to this place, um, uh, uh, not too far away, called the Flight Club. Anyone been to the Flight Club? Anyone like darts? I haven't played darts since uh, Eric Bristow won, which is, I mean, he's dead now, but um, years ago we used to have one in our lounge. So I wasn't really looking forward to it, but we was going to see this guy and we was going to help him and meeting some city people to try and help him in his, uh, in his time of trouble. So we, go, we find the place, we go, open the door, you know, oh, someone's behind me, just let them through. Oh, and you know, you know what you say, then when they say, you're welcome, then they look at you as if you've done something wrong, doesn't it say thank you? But I did the right thing, fruit of the spirit, good Christian, happy days. So everything's good with the world. And then we start playing darts. Now we're there for somebody else, and I'm a Christian, so I don't care if I win. Oh, yes, I do. So, <laughs> so I'm really, I mean, and, they, and it videos you. It videos you, so when you actually get the thing, you, you, you know, it's plays, it plays the video back. I, I didn't realise, I'm quite ugly when I've won. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't win, I came second. I came second, and in, inside I'm seething a little bit, but let it go, the guy's having a bad week, I'm a Christian, and I've got the fruit of the Spirit, God bless them all. Everything is good with the world. And you're in your own little section, so you've got the dark, and, the, and what I love... Um, I do like showing off a little bit at mass, but the machine does it all for you. It's all, oh, you need this, oh, great. And we'd ordered some food, some pizzas, some slider burgers, and some french fries, and there was a lot of us. It wasn't all for me. And it goes on the table next to you. That is our table. 
And it's, it's connected to our sort of booth bit where the darts are. But, you know, you've got everyone else and all, it all staggers along. So from about from here to the end of the stage, there's a group of four fellas. And the, one of them made the uh, mistake of getting in the way of me and my food. Because what he did, what he did, I'm just throwing my dart, you know, really getting ready to win. And I had a call my ass, saw him come over, say something to his way, and take, out, take one of our chips. And I thought, that is so rude. That is so rude. And I have to say, if I'm on the index of fruit of the spirit and being good, and I've been so nice to everybody, it kind of halved in a millisecond. Like, the thought wasn't one of blessing. So I said to him, I said to him, mate, seriously, that's so rude. Don't do that again. <laughs> Off you went. Then my second shot, he's done it again. The fruit of the spirit now is nowhere, is not to be seen. I've gone over there. I said, you're really out of order. That's so rude. I don't want to eat these chips. I don't know where your hands have been. I was really quite aggressive verbally, not, not uh, physically. I didn't want the flight club to be the fight club. Although someone did put that on Facebook when I put it out. They said, oh, I thought you meant fighting. Well, I nearly did. If only you knew the story. So I said, you, take it? you can't just go up to someone and say, oh, it's only a few chips. I said, well, you order your chips. I'll come and eat yours. And it, it was not getting heated, but the fruit of the spirit is now gone. And I'm getting quite angry. And I said, no, it's rude. And his friend next to him said, mate, he's had too much to drink. I'm really sorry. I said, no, 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 sorry's not good enough. Right? (laughs) So I'm now now ignoring Jesus' teaching. You see how easy it is to slide. I said, he's took some chips. Next time, my other mate comes over, who's a cab driver. He says, what's going on? I said, he's eating our food. You know, he said, oh, right. And... uh, and as I'm saying to my friend, and there's about eight of us and there's four of them, not that I was counting and weighing up the odds, because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't looking to do anything that was bad. Uh, but I, was, I must admit, I was annoyed. And, and his mate stood up, and his mate is about six foot four. And my, so I'm thinking, look, we just need to de-escalate this a bit now. And uh, my friend said, oh, look out, old Big Chops has got up. And he's going, oh, no. <laughs> Baptist minister at flight club thrown out for fighting. I could see it happening. Uh, look forward to my next elders meeting and try and explain this. So the, the tall guy comes over and goes, look, mate, he said, look, no one wants any trouble. Why don't you take your darts and go over to your dartboard and take your anger out on the dartboard? Well, I can tell that's probably the worst thing he could have said to me, and especially in the manner he said, I said, right, right. And then before I got a word out, the other bloke said, mate, this is going to escalate. It's for two chips. Is it really worth it? We've apologised, and he took two chips. Surely we can leave it. And then it was like, boom, busted. I realised I'd let myself down. It's in front of my son. It's in front of my non-Christian friends. I was the one who went over there because I saw it. That was an opportunity. That was a frontline ministry opportunity, and I blew it. And I thought, well, I'll do better next time. And I went back and I said, yeah, you're right, okay. It is rude. They said, yeah, we said it's rude and we apologised and you carried on. Yeah, okay, you're right. And your mate's big. So we, we, <laughs> I went back and there's a few looks going back and forth. I was deliberately looking away now because now I'm feeling ashamed. I thought, that is not a good way to respond. I'll do better next time. God, if you can give me another opportunity, right, I will do better next time. I've learnt my lesson. Just how quickly the enemy... I could have got really bad... And it was me 
that went over there. So it wasn't very good. So God, give me a second chance. Give me a second chance. I mean, nothing happened. And half an hour later, off they went. And then I saw it. One of them left their iPhone on the, on the table. You know, and these are youngsters. They're about 25. And that's their life, isn't it? And I'd love to tell you that I thought, oh, a God-given opportunity to put this right. But for that split second, they'd leave it there. It serves them right. And it was wrong, wasn't it? That, that, but I'd asked for a second chance. I thought, you know what? It serves them right. What goes around comes around. Or you reap what you sow if you want to be really Christian about it. But of course, it was the wrong thing. And I said to my friend, do me a favour. If I run out of this pub, run up to the bloke, tap him on the shoulder, he's going to deck me because he's going to think I've come out to fight him. Can you please go and give me his fight? And he did. You see, but see how easy it is. So I look at that list and think, well, I don't do all these things. And, but actually, discord, fits of rage, like that. The enemy is there and we're at bat- and it was the wrong thing to do. It's easy to fall out of step with the Spirit and then you become a hypocrite, don't you? I sought forgiveness, so I put it to death, like Paul did, but it really weighed on my mind. I didn't sleep well. I had to really give it over to God. I wasn't happy with myself. And I asked that God would help me next time around. Galatians 5.24 says, Live by the Spirit, crucify that sinful nature with its passions and desires. Often you'll hear a preacher say, I don't believe in character assassination. But in this case, you're allowed to. We want to kill that old sinful nature. Jesus has dealt with the penalty of it, but we've got to keep in step with the Spirit and crucify it. Paul lists them again. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, all these things. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that it's going to be tough to inherit the kingdom of God if you're doing these things. So the list sounds extreme, and it can blind you to the ways, and it did to me, where you might be more prone than you think. Your front line will have dissensions and power plays and cliques. We see them. There's factions. I see it at the gym. Uh, I certainly see it at the golf club. Some of you will see it at the school gates. You know, we don't speak to that person. And even in church. Uh, illustration, I've got um, about uh, three months ago, I was in Costa Coffee. I don't go there often because I only drink tea. I always feel like I'm getting ripped off. Everyone's having all these different coffees, English breakfast, and however much money it is. But I was in there meeting someone. I was waiting for them. And there was these gym mums. I, I think they were gym mums. They had all the gear on. And none of them looked overly um, hot. I don't mean that in the way it sounds. I mean, they were sweating. <laughs> sweating, working out. My elders are going to say, Ian, <laughs> Ian has had a violent week and he's lusting after women. That's not what I meant. And they, were, they weren't sweating. Like, they didn't look like they've been down the gym. Okay? These are the ones that, you know, you go to Stockbrook Manor and they park their car as close as they can to the entrance so they don't have to walk too far so they can go on the walking machine. Work that out. I don't understand it. So anyway, they're in Costa Coffee and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for... For, um, for the person uh, that I'm meeting, and they start talking. And you can't help it. I pretend I'm on my phone, but it's not a good signal there, and I was bored, so I thought I'd listen in. And it's very interesting, um, because there was about sort of six or seven of them, and whoever didn't make it that week was absolutely caned. 
They, they took turns. Well, did you see what she was wearing last week? Oh, awful. And she said she's lost weight. Well, I don't know what scale she's on, but it's certainly not working. And did you see, and her husband, oh, what about, and, and they just character assassinated her. And they went round, and I sat, sat I thought, it's really sad. And I thought, I bet that person's there next week, and one of them won't be there, and that person will get it as well. We've all got our cliques and factions, and there's power plays, but our ministry on the front line is not to join in with that sort of stuff. It can be impurity on the front line, either it's the gym, the club, or the school game. It might be not obvious or taken, or taken further, hopefully not. A little bit more attention to the prettier woman or the more attractive man. We can all do it. We resent it when others do it, but we're all capable. The challenge is to character doesn't only come when the pressure is intense, when you're coming second at the flight club and you're already annoyed and someone nicks your chips. That was intense. Um, but sometimes it's in the small things. Jesus actually said this, didn't he? He said that, um, he quoted, it was said, do not murder. But he actually said you shouldn't be angry with your brother and sister. And if you are, you've, you've already murdered them in your heart. So we pray for help to keep in step with the Spirit, put into death the manifestations of the sinful nature through confession and prayer. And you have a part to play in shaping your character, and so does God. He's actually at it, shaping your character non-stop. He's always doing a work. So this week, think about being fruitful in your character. Think about the situations you find yourself in, the way you speak, uh, the way you react, uh, the, the way you can encourage or discourage. Uh, be the person people want to bump into, not cross the road uh, for. Think of situations where, like I did last week, I've got to come before God and ask for forgiveness, say, can you help me uh, next time? Pray about them, because character matters. Character matters. You can, you can be the good news, the gospel, just with your character and the way you are with people. It makes a huge difference. I'm going to ask the musicians to come up, because they're going to uh, lead us in some more worship in a second. But while they're doing that... Um, I'm going to read a final passage from Colossians 3, uh, the first 17 verses. But when I'm reading this, and I'll pray after, and you can join in the, in the prayer, think about what it says. It talks about, it's, it's making this every decision every morning to clothe myself in Christ. So when I worked in the city, or if I'm preaching on Sunday, I tend, I get up, I put a suit on. It's just what I do. I don't have to. People say to me, why do you feel the need to put a suit on? I say, I don't feel any need at all. They say, you don't have to. I say, thank you very much. But I'm going to, because that's what I do. It's just something I do. I don't feel any pressure to do it whatsoever. Uh, when I was in the city, you'd put a suit on to go to work. It was part of my day. When we used to have dress-down days, I was a managing director at a firm, uh, we stopped doing them because people were less productive on the Friday, on the dress-down day. So we put the suits back in. Uh, there was something about getting ready and in the right heart for work. And in the same way as Christians, uh, Paul talks about clothing yourself, you know, putting on Christ. And we should do that every morning. Whether, whether your workplace is a suit or overalls, every morning clothe yourselves. And just think about that as I read uh, this passage. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. 
Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all things such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. You've taken off the old self and you put on your new self. You've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God, with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I mean, that's, that for me is the living out the Christian life. You read that passage from Colossians chapter 3, and, and that's what it's about. It's putting Christ first. It's all for him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything I do. He created everything, and it's all for him, including our lives. I'm going to pray for us, and the musicians will, uh, John will lead us in worship. Let's pray. Father, we really do seek to become more like Jesus. And we thank you, actually, that's one of your purposes, to make us more like him being the body of Christ in your world today. Please grant us that desire to do exactly that, to reflect him to the world. Forgive us when we have the ungodly thoughts and the actions or persistence in the ungodly things and instead work in us by your spirit that we can turn from the darkness of sin and walk in the light of your grace. We thank you that you never give up on us, that every day is plan A. We start afresh, and I pray this will be a fresh start for all of us to go into the world and demonstrate by character that we can have an impact on our front lines. And all of this is for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.